the EU Parliament passed privacy-busting crypto rules despite industry criticism yesterday. So the Committee on Economic and Monetary Affairs and the Committee on Civil Liberties, Justice, and Home Affairs voted in favor of measures requiring crypto companies to collect and share data on certain transactions. Um, basically, they're expanding anti-money laundering requirements into the crypto space. There's another proposal indicating that if it's passed, payers and payees of even the smallest crypto transactions would need to be identified, including unposted or self-hosted wallets. Um, in case some listeners are unaware, unhosted wallets refer to non-custodial wallets, which do not rely on third parties. Examples being MetaMask, Wallet Connect, Kepler, Trezor, and so on. Um, Essentially, this is prohibiting anonymous crypto transactions in the EU. Um, they started talking about it last December and kind of kicking it around, but the vote came despite very loud objections from major industry players, including Coinbase, who warned that overly heavy-handed privacy could face swift legal challenges and really make it difficult for these companies to operate. Uh, the CEO of Coinbase, Brian Armstrong, tweeted Thursday that the company would have to report to the authorities any time a customer received over a thousand euros from a self-hosted wallet and would be required to collect, store and verify information on the receiving party before the transfer is allowed, even if the receiving party isn't a customer of Coinbase. Um, so, I mean, there are obviously some major red flags here. Dylan, I want to get your thoughts before I dive any deeper. Yeah, right on. I mean, there's a lot to unpack. And I think that Brian Armstrong thread is really important to read. I've put it in the, it'll be in the description. And that really is a great summary. But this reminds me a bit about the law that was passed in the US this year, that Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, they have to report anything that's $600 or above to the IRS. And that amount changed from $20,000. So it's funny because the $20,000 threshold of value exchange is also enforced on Coinbase. So if you do more than $20,000 worth of trade, so if you literally trade at a dollar, $1, 20,000 times, you know, bought, sold, bought, sold. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be moving size on your trades. It's just that if you do a certain amount gross, that they have to report that to the IRS, which to go from $20,000 to 600 is a huge jump because now you, you catch all of these crazy transactions that probably, I mean, at, at what point does that stop, right? Like, do, do you really need to be reporting thousand dollar movements i mean are you really it seems very strict to me um in the eu and the six hundred dollar thing in the u.s what's good about the u.s approach is that if it's only for exchange of commercial goods or services so it's better than having to report like if you sent me 600 bucks for a car paint you know uh, if i like spotted you money for a car payment or gas or groceries or something like that shouldn't in my mind have to be reported or shared, but even like the, the $600 for business files, it's like, it's an overreach. It's an overreach, I think. And it's, that's the, that's the U S approach. Right. And so it's, at least it's a little bit better than, than this that we're talking about because they don't even make that distinction with this thousand dollar mark. No. Well, and that's what like, 
that's what really blows my mind is they pass these laws and talk about all of this, but I feel like they don't plan out the infrastructure to oversee it in the future. Like the amount of forms and requests and everything else, like even if they don't look at every single thing over, you know, 600 or a thousand, $600 or a thousand euros, the companies still have to provide that regardless. So it just seems like a lot of extra work for not really a big payout other than invading people's privacy. It's a ton of extra work, man. I mean, that's expensive. They can afford it. I mean, Coinbase can afford it, I think, but it's the same time. It's, it's just a very fruitless and pointless exercise because now it's impossible actually to do that because these, these wallets, anybody can spin them up on any computer that they have that's on the internet. And so it's actually impossible to comply with that. And because you have no way of knowing uh, if a wallet, who owns the wallet without having a KYC infrastructure, but the, the way that those wallets are set up, there is no KYC infrastructure that accompanies it. So this thread that Brian Armstrong put out was really good. um, His comments like, the sixth and seventh tweet in the thread, which he's labeled, I liked because he gives the example, like if you sent money to your cousin with groceries and the EU, imagine if the EU required your bank to collect and verify that private information about your cousin before allowing you to send 20 bucks to your groceries or whatever. I mean, we're talking about a thousand euros, but still you're not, you're not far off. Uh, when does it end? Well, yeah. And like, it's just, <laughs> Basically, I think what the t- the crypto industry is asking for is just even to start off just the same rules that the bank has, because right now it's tremendously overstepping even what the current banks have to do, which you just said. But this guy, Marcus Ferber, the EPP economic spokesperson said, with this new approach to technologies, the EU will fall, fall further behind other more open-minded jurisdictions, which is you know kind of what we've seen in India and China and Kazakhstan. It's, you know... It's welcomed at first and then it's shunned for one reason or another. And like kind of what I have here is as soon as you bring up terrorism, child kidnappings or money laundering, people take very hard stances without really understanding the matter at hand. So we kind of talk about all the time on the podcast about how blockchain and crypto is the next iteration of technological advancement. But with that comes all of the rough and kind of nasty shit that happens in early stage developments. You know what I mean? So it's not going to be perfect, but as long as we're building towards something more positive, that's that's all we can do. Yeah, I mean, this is they also mentioned a separate legal proposal that was discussed that would stop transfers being made to crypto service providers that are deemed to be not affiliated or established in any jurisdiction. So if you have an anonymous wallet on some decks or something that that's just totally operating in a permissionless void system, yeah. you can't even, you, you would be prohibited from, from sending to it, which completely breaks this entire process down. And there would be a capital exodus from the EU. hundred percent. It, it just doesn't work. So, uh, I forgot to add the, the Brian Armstrong thread, but there's a coin bait, there's a link in the, in the CoinDesk article. So check that out. We'll put it in the description afterwards. But yeah, it's it's just absolutely insane. And to your point about just making it equal to what the banks experience, it's like these regulators just continually 
punish crypto companies for being successful. Like, because they've been able to eat the bank's lunch, now they are in the in the target range of, of all these regulators who are paid by the bankers at, at the end of the day anyway. So it's, it's pretty blatant in my opinion. Um, yeah. I feel like we're in like a twilight zone thing because <laughs> I know in the U S like last week, sometime on the pod, we were talking about a crypto where it's like, we don't want to be regulated as banks are regulated because we're not the same. And it's completely like, while it's similar, it's completely different in the setup and you know, the technology, and now in the EU, they're bringing up like, just, just treat us like banks. Like, please just don't, you know what I mean? Like right. they, they, you can tell that they're feeling they could be completely stamped out in the EU and EU and make it tremendously more difficult. So they're actually saying, treat us like the banks, which is crazy to me. Yeah. You know what? That's funny you say that because perhaps it's just a political brinksmanship where they want to mm-hmm. push it. You know, you demand more than you know that you can get. So that you get your opponent to to give up a little bit, right? And so that's an interesting point you make because that's, I suppose, what's happening here. You know, yeah. it's it's like you start a negotiation. Um, you're trying to buy a car and you lowball them, and and then they, you know, they you move guns. to the middle. Yeah. And so that's probably what's happening. I suppose that's a really great point. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Anytime. So uh, to pivot to the next article, there was this write up on the recent avalanche summit in Barcelona. I wanted to just quickly highlight it, essentially, because I don't know a ton about avalanche. And it would be a great moment in time to highlight this platform and learn a little bit for myself as well. So the summit that happened recently, I think it was the first one for avalanche. And Avalanche had a skyrocketing performance in 2021 last year. They quoted the percentage. Uh, it was it was insane. Uh, I think it was like 2,800% or 2,100% or something like that. Um, it skyrocketed to the top 10 briefly last year. And I remember watching it go from like a dollar to $81 or something like that. Uh, it was probably a little bit better. Uh, I don't I don't exactly know offhand, but this is kind of an Ethereum killer. It tries to be this smart contract platform. It's an EVM compatible machine, uh, Ethereum virtual machine compatible. So it can run Ethereum code with very minor tweaks required. And it also supports this concept of subnets, which are similar to the sidechain concept or the way that cosmos runs the the it's it's a ecosystem so having the subnet you're allowed to choose which validators your code's going to run on and things like that which is very reminiscent of cosmos ecosystem too so i think what i really took away from this was the author describes Avalanche's ability to garner interest from both the quote unquote degen crowd and also the institutional crowd. So I think what Avalanche has apparently done well is navigate those waters because you have some chains that are really good at institutional, Solana, the venture capital world. Then you have other chains that are a lot more (laughs) focused on uh, the degen types, the, the anonymous types. And I, 
I don't know, I guess Binance Smart Chain would be one like that because of all the crazy stuff that's going on there. Um, I don't know of a lot of serious institutions that have invested in BSC other than Binance itself. So this bringing the best of both worlds in those communities, it's you can see what happens when you do that well, when you just look at the avalanche price chart. So I don't know if you were able to review this much. I mean, there's not, I don't think a lot to talk about from this, but I, I really appreciated the the way they gave a really simple overview of Avalanche. What did you think, yeah. Mike? Yeah, no, it was a great overview. And I'm kind of in the same boat of not really knowing as much as I probably should about it. But um, what stuck out to me is that, you know, they had MasterCard and a couple of other, you know, big name companies and institutions visiting the summit. And many of them admitted to collaborations with multiple layer one or base blockchains, which obviously makes sense as a way to hedge their bets. But it's just cool to me to see that, you know, obviously there was a quote in the article that said, you know, it's going to be a multiple blockchain future that, you know, we're run on. So it's kind of just trying to figure out who's going to win. And I mean, these companies have so much money, they can put, you know, a couple hundred mil into each one of them and still come out the winner. But another thing that struck me was that they said it's kind of a copy paste blockchain as of right now, taking stuff from Uniswap and Ohm and other yes. you know, layer ones. And they're kind of waiting for them to have their first real you know, new concept or new game or a killer app. app. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'd be interested to see what they have either, you know, on the roadmap or what the devs are working on for that. I might dig in a little bit on that side, but besides that, I mean, it definitely, definitely sounds interesting. It being EVM compatible is definitely huge. Um, yep. And I think that's exactly what I was going to highlight is this copy pasta world where you just have forks of ethereum projects launching on new chains it is iteration when you zoom out a bit because you can see okay well you can operate more efficiently than ethereum by just copying open source code and launching it on on these chains that have adopted have enough adoption to the point of having expensive validator infrastructure in place that the community is has done and vcs investing and such but it's a problem where there's no innovation beyond that. Like Ethereum still owns the developers who are driving innovative, the, like the, the big innovative projects on software tooling, it's still being driven by Ethereum. Mm -hmm. I really do believe that. Now, the things happening on Cosmos and Terra, it's all super dope. It's just earlier. Like, you have Cosmos ecosystem with Evmos about to launch where it's the first, it's supposedly the first EVM for Cosmos. And so that's going to bring about a ton of copy paste projects into the Cosmos. Does that mean there's going to be this kind of uh, flood of new capital where everybody's just launching copy pasted projects now on Cosmos and a bunch of money comes into Cosmos? I think so. But it's kind of double-edged, right? Because they're just copy-pasted projects. Um, I saw yeah. the same thing happen on BSC last year where people just would copy Uniswap and every other day there was some new decks coming about on BSC and it was a bit insane. Yeah, I remember that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the very nice thing about having the first mover advantage. I mean, Ethereum's going on seven years this July 
Whereas, you know, in the article, it said that Avalanche is just short of two years right now. So, I mean, they did a lot of things right with Ethereum and these, you kind of got to expect these copy paste projects to come out to, you know, lower gas fees or change whatever they want to change. But it's definitely interesting. Got to yeah. keep our eyes on it. I, I mean, embrace it, embrace it for sure, but be skeptical about, you know, it's it, to the point of the article, it's like, it's hard to find where the true innovation is happening. And I still think it's happening on Cosmos and Terra. Um, the really cool projects that are actually unique. I mean, look, we've all been on enough DEXs to the point now where it's like, what's the difference between any of these? Well, look at what Osmosis is doing, you know, right. with superfluid staking and um, secret swap and all the secret projects, the way Terra is running its stable coins. I mean, all this stuff is truly innovative. So I'm excited to see what the uh, EVM launch in Cosmos brings. So, all right, man. Well, this was a great, great little session. Always good to chat with you in the morning. We'll be back next week for more Daybreak Crypto. Have a good day, boys.